Welcome to the Charlotte Business Podcast, the podcast where business owners in and around the Charlotte, North Carolina area share their stories, their struggles, and the obstacles they overcame in growing their business to success. We hope these stories are an inspiration to others wanting and trying to start their own businesses and give consumers a better understanding of our local business community. I am your host, Sebastian McShane. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Charlotte Business Podcast. Today we talk with Eric Kirsch from Mito Station, a co-working space here in Charlotte that was built to meet the needs of innovative startup healthcare companies. Eric is a true entrepreneur and has successfully operated several businesses and has an interesting story. So let's get into the podcast. Cool. I can turn you back up. There we go. Now I got you. I turned you down a little bit too much. All right, Eric. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself, where you're from, a um, little bit about your background. Sure. Um, I'm originally from Buffalo, uh, like a lot of people in Charlotte. Yeah. And me. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, moved here in 2003 after uh, graduating from Duville uh, College for physician assistant studies. And um, pretty much as soon as I graduated, knew I wanted to move here. Mm -hmm. um, not only um, because of the weather, but also just a great um, growing area to practice medicine. Cool. Why Charlotte? Um, well, I, I mostly knew I wanted to be in North Carolina mm -hmm. and made a few trips out here just exploring, doing job interviews and so forth. And... Um, you know, one morning I was washing my parents' car and uh, got a call and basically they asked me if I wanted a job and I said, sure. It was actually a field of medicine that I really wanted to go into. And uh, I said, you know, when do you want me to start? I think it was a Thursday when they called me and they said, can you be here on Monday? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I literally went out and bought my first car and uh, that Saturday moved to Charlotte. Awesome. So your background is in medicine then? Yeah. Okay. Tell us, tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, first, my first um, job or business actually was, I started when I was 17. It was more by accident. Okay. I started running basketball leagues, and I did that all throughout college. So I was definitely an entrepreneur before I went into practicing medicine. And even when I was um, finishing school, I knew that I wanted to open up my own medical practice. And... Um, Again, North Carolina was very friendly for PA-owned medical practices. Mm -hmm. So how how did you get into the medical field? Um, you know, my mom's a nurse. I spent a lot of time volunteering at the hospital, and uh, I really liked healthcare as a field. Um, you know, I worked around a lot of doctors. I also worked a lot around a lot of PAs, and I liked the fact that the PAs could go to school for a shorter time get out and, and start going. I didn't want to be in school for, mm -hmm. you know, for, for too long. Um, and again, in certain states, PAs can still own a practice just like a physician could. And um, that just seemed like the, the, the best route for me. Um, so tell us about uh, how you got the idea for your business. Current business? Yes. Well, how many businesses do you have? You have several, <laughs> I know. Because you started several. Yeah. So... Um, Again, my second business um, 
was opening up a medical practice, okay. and um, it was a very unique type of practice. I was I was in sleep medicine, and um, part of being sleep medicine is to have a sleep lab, and I didn't have a lot of money for uh, a big build-out of a, of a facility, so I ended up going into a hotel mm-hmm. and making an arrangement with them so that my patients could sleep in the hotel rooms, and they gave me an office inside the hotel to see the patients afterwards for follow-up. The only thing I had to supply then was portable diagnostic equipment. And um, the disadvantage of that model was very limited space. And this is 15 years ago. We were using paper charts still. And I'm running out of room very quickly with paper charts. I started researching electronic medical records, which were much different then than they are now. Um, They didn't... uh, work very well for my specialty and what I wanted to do with them. So um, while I'm running sleep studies at night on my patients, there's a lot of downtime. I just self-taught myself how to code and built my own system. Cool. So that kind of got me in love with technology. And after I sold the medical practice, um, I took a few years off. Mm -hmm. I raised my kids who were very young at the time. My daughter had special needs. Did some consulting for pharmaceutical and other companies. Uh, But once my kids were in school and I had more time to invest, I really wanted to get into technologies and other healthcare solutions that really solved problems. And to do that, you almost have to go into the startup space. So I fell in love with technology, I fell in love with healthcare, and I fell in love with startups. Okay. Sounds good. And so... Okay, let me kind of put things in perspective. You started mm-hmm. off doing basketball, <laughs> then you got into medical, and your first business was the um, with the hotel. Oh yeah, hotel based hotel sleep based, lab. Yeah, and sleep lab. My sleep lab. Again, so part of it was being in college and having horrible sleep myself. Yeah. And so as I studied, I have a degree in behavioral psychology and medicine, and um, I basically self-taught myself how to uh, sleep better through behavioral means. And so I really liked that side of healthcare, of mm-hmm. medicine. I feel like, it, especially back then, it was really missing in a lot of areas, even sleep disorders. I mean, there was a lot of places doing sleep studies and treating sleep apnea and things like that. But there wasn't a whole lot of places doing like behavioral techniques for insomnia. Mm-hmm. And I got a reputation as being like the behavioral guy, you know, spending an hour at a time with a patient and really digging down their lifestyle and what they're doing and, and uh, making, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy programs for them and stuff. Okay. So what comes next after the sleep? So, um, again, after doing a few years of consulting and, and playing dad for a while, um, I got into the startup space and I had a ton of ideas. I had a ton of prototypes I was building and I didn't have a lot of debt. Yeah. I had almost no debt actually. So I was able to play around for a few years and just try things out. And most of them were just ideas and concepts. And I, I did pilot programs and, you know, um, I'd say 90% of the things that I built or tested, um, I ended up just putting down, okay. um, you know. And over the years, I found a couple that have actually uh, worked out really well. And uh, over the last two years, um, we've been getting funding for, and now they're starting to grow. Okay. Can you share some examples? Sure. So um, my, my primary um, 
job, I guess, is is, is Beacon Health, which um, is basically a healthcare exchange for direct contracting. It allows allowed employers, and now we're going to individuals as well, to purchase their healthcare where 90% of the transactions are just between them and the doctor. There's no insurance companies or anything in the middle. And we want to have just insurance products available that cover, you know, that cover true catastrophes. Okay. You know, and by doing that, first of all, the doctors can practice medicine the way that they want to, the way they're trained in school, not following the recipe that a third party created. Um, and you also cut out, you know, insurance companies make money. So the more transactions, uh, the more margin for them and the higher the cost to the consumer. Okay. And so what happens next? Um, so we are just, we've had two successful rounds of funding. We're slowly building our team for that. Um, and uh, just continuing to grow and get traction. Um, and then I have a, a mobile diagnostic company that was actually a pilot study that uh, made some money, so we keep it running. And the goal is to get that funded and put it more into like a franchise-type model. Okay. And then I have uh, another business that I actually start off as a mentor because I do mentor a lot of startups in healthcare. And eventually they brought me on as an advisor and now as a partner. And we're trying to help independent medical practices stay independent by um, basically I, like creating like a flex use space, almost like a co-working for clinical services where, mm -hmm. where multiple independent physicians can use the same space, shared staff, and just shared resources. So is there a trend, um, like for example here in Charlotte, um, I know a, a whole bunch of doctors left the big hospitals and opened up their own smaller, uh, I guess, clinic. Is there a, is that like a trend that's starting or where people are leaving the big hospitals and going off on their own? And um, Globally, there is still more consolidation mm -hmm. um, than there is people going independent, right? There, there's kind of like an ebb and flow where there's both occurring. Uh, in Charlotte in particular, there's more going independent just because of certain large uh, groups, you know, moving. Yeah. Um, I think, though, with managed care, um, the more complex it gets, the less likely you are to see practices go independent and just join a hospital where they have the administration behind them to deal with a lot of the paperwork and bureaucracies. Um, I think ultimately technologies, um, just like technology disrupted, um, you know, the taxi uh, yeah. industry, yeah. right? It allowed people to basically become independent contractors um, uh, because you didn't need dispatchers, you didn't need marketing and, and all that stuff. Uh, it could do the same for healthcare. The challenge is, um, is not the technology because the technology is there. Mm -hmm. uh, the challenge is, you know, the only thing that really disrupts healthcare is policy because it's so heavily regulated. So policy really pushes towards what can happen in healthcare. Okay. So with all these changes, I'm sure there's some new fields that are opening up, being developed. Well, I mean, you know, like telehealth is, is becoming a big thing. Mm -hmm. And again, the technology has always been there. Even 15 years ago, I used to answer my phone and talk to my patients use email. I mean, yeah. that's, that's telehealth. In fact, I actually saw more than half my patients through the internet, um, through like WebEx and stuff way back in the day. Wow. Um, the, 
the, the technology is a little bit um, more medical oriented now, but the main reason it's occurring is, is, is mostly because of um, the a combination of things, but I won't get into too much, but basically the heavy cost of healthcare, a lot of people are looking for, um, for all cash pay type alternatives and telehealth opened up that door. Um, and again, that also follows regulation because yeah. up until last year, you know, people had to buy health insurance and health insurance dictated how you received your health care. Right. When the individual mandate was dropped, um, there's all kinds of solutions that opened up that and people said, well, I'm just going to do cash pay. And here's an easy solution using the Internet that's convenient. Yeah. Okay. So where do you see the future going in all this? Again, um, regulation is hard to predict, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think single payer will pan out. And if even if um, regimes come in that will be pushing uh, single payer, it will take a long, long time for it to develop. There's just so many um, changes that have to be made. There's so many antagonists uh, and so many stakeholders that it would have to basically last several, you know, uh, presidencies yeah. um, for it to actually work. And I think it's going to be too easy to strike down if, if you know, there's a switch, um, you know, between Democrat and Republican or just right. thought process or something. You know, so. It's always a challenge, I guess, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you wish you had known when you started out that you now know? <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny because uh, my first two businesses were both very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, my basketball league still run today. My cousin now takes them over. Um, and my medical practice, you know, made decent money that, when I was running it, and I sold it for a decent profit after four years mm-hmm. of, of it opening. Um, most of my failures in business have been over the last several years trying to build you know, more uh, enterprise-type solutions. And again, a lot of it were were never really companies. They were just ideas that I piloted. Um, and some of them now are starting to take off, but there's still a lot of uh, hill to climb there. Yeah. Um, there, there was definitely a lack of resources, I found. In general, Charlotte has a pretty strong entrepreneurial community, but most of that is bent towards you know, our industry strengths, which are like financial technologies, real estate, um, and other. Mm-hmm. Healthcare, you know, it, it's really hard to find um, in this area people interested in investing in it, um, in the technology and partnering, at least at least seven years ago it was. Yeah. So it took me a while to really find the right resources. Um, and healthcare globally, but I think especially in Charlotte, is very compartmentalized. So it's, you know, it's really hard to get into a doctor's office, for example, if you need to ask them some questions about business or how healthcare works. Right. You know, everybody's really busy in healthcare, and there's not a lot of cross-communication. So uh, especially with the lack of, like, a medical school or good R&D, um, it's really hard to figure things out. I was lucky because I had an in as a practitioner. I was very active in the medical community. I had contacts. I, I do a lot of mentoring for other healthcare companies that don't have that access, and that's part of the reason they, they, they ask me for help, is getting in front of the doctors, right, in front mm-hmm. of the clinical people. So um, other than just a lack of general resources as a medical person not knowing the business end 
And then I also see the opposite where you have people trying to do the business of healthcare and not having access to the people in the trenches. I felt like we really need to bridge that gap. So about um, three years ago, I formed the Charlotte chapter of the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs. And it's basically just an event-based convening structure to try to get doctors out there in the entrepreneurial world and um, help them take some of their ideas, develop them into actual services and products and eventually into companies. And on the other side, people who are building those companies um, and products to connect with the medical community for medical advisors, for mentorship, just to get some domain, domain expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we're just kind of almost like a matchmaking type of a, you know a, a event-based organization. Cool, cool. And um, that's what's led me to my most recent venture. Um, we have a medical school coming. We have more and more R and D coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know there are things that are missing, in, in my opinion, in, for the healthcare innovation ecosystem. Is we need a physical convening structure. So um, along with some other partners, we are putting together a co-working space specifically for healthcare industry. Okay. So uh, mostly startups and or service providers um, who work, you know, with healthcare type companies. Okay, well, what are some examples of companies like that your, that your startup is geared for? I'm sorry, can I ask? What are some examples of um, businesses and companies that your your uh, co-working place is geared? Sure, to? sure. Well, right now we actually have um, a list of companies waiting to move in. Okay, it's, I think it's that's always this, good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, one thing I've learned over the years is is, pre, is sell, 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 right? Pre-sell, you know, mitigate your risks as much as possible. So um, uh, we have somewhere in the 70s of companies have signed up. And uh, some are companies, uh, they're like healthcare technology companies, such as the one I described. Right. Um, you know, we have uh, some of them are staffing type companies uh, in healthcare, we have a couple medical device companies. Um, I would say Charlotte's uh, healthcare innovation identity is still being established, but definitely a lot of technology-based stuff, a lot okay. of health tech, fin, fin health tech crossover, insure tech, stuff like that. Um, and again, I think medical device is actually something that's kind of strong. I don't think we're going to really s- spend a lot of we're not going to attract a lot of talent around pharmaceutical. You know, mm-hmm. it just everyone knows that Raleigh, Durham, Triangle area is a place you go for that stuff. Now, we may have some biz development, marketing, or technology support type companies and services here. Um, you know, that would be complementary, but I think Charlotte's identity is going to rest more away from the pharmaceutical side. Okay. So your um, co-working experience you're developing, it's not going to be like a, for uh, people who take patients, it's more for the doctors and the organizations to work with companies to help them improve. And it, Exactly. Yeah, okay. And we offer the traditional value proposition of a co-working space, which is flexible space month to month, allows you to scale up, scale down, and right. so forth. Uh, but we have our main value proposition, other than just being around like-minded people, is um, we are part of a nonprofit that's mm-hmm. a joint venture with other stakeholders from the universities, 
hospitals, other healthcare corporations, even all the different healthcare societies in the area. And we've formed this nonprofit that's going to be a physical convening structure. And it's going to host a lot of events that attract the medical community uh, and other healthcare professionals mm -hmm. and also, you know, the administrators. And there's some of the programming and events and activities will be um, entrepreneurial and innovation-based. Some will be more like continuing medical ed education, product detailing events, and so forth. But the space is designed to be open all the time. So, you know, some of it's very intentional with the programming, and some of it is just um, natural interaction. And so MitoStation is one of the main donors to that non-for-profit. Okay. And there's a bunch of others as well. So. Sounds, sounds like a really interesting uh, project. Yeah. And it's going to make things a whole lot easier for the medical community. Yes. So, yeah. so again, it's it's an extension of what, what I did with, with the Society of Physician Entrepreneurs and a physical manifestation is that, you know, we need convening structures. We need to, we need to get doctors and other healthcare professionals out of the office mm -hmm. and get them a space where, you know, um, where there's entrepreneurial and even entrepreneurial thinking. Because right. um, that's one thing that in traditional medical programs, you know, was not there. I can tell you, I there was no business training. Um, I had business training just from real life experience before I even graduated. But then when I went to the healthcare industry, I had to like relearn so much stuff because it was so much different than anything else I'd seen. Right. You know, as far as regulation and and, and so forth. That's interesting. They don't mm. teach that as part of. You know, I guess you just do the medical side of it and then kick you out and figure it out for yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's value to it even to hospital systems and larger corporations of of, of an, inter, an entrepreneurial mindset, right? Just constantly wow. thinking about, okay, rather than just kind of putting your head down doing your job, seeing that there's things wrong in processes or in place and, you know, there's room for improvement. And not only being able to see that and have like a design thinking type of mentality, but also how to message that, mm -hmm. you know, how to research it and, and do a little discovery around it. So it doesn't matter whether you're starting a, a, a side business or, or, or a separate business or you are working for an employer, you know, there's um, an advantage to healthcare in general if the people seeing the patients and doing the work are thinking in that entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial mindset. Okay. So is there any specific areas in the medical field that you deal with, or is it a pretty broad? As an entrepreneur? Oh, well, the whole program. I mean, is it um, just like doctors, nurses, dental, yeah. chiropractic? Is it like they're just... Yeah. You know, um, I mean, my personal strength, because that was always an independent practitioner and independent business owner. I have a lot of good relationships with independent physicians, okay. which is why I brought on my partner for this, um, Scott Pope, and he is a corporate pharmacist by trade. Does a lot of things I do, but he all, he works a lot between the hospitals and startups. So it made a really good kind of partnership, and uh, now we've been bringing on other people out of the team. And um, I mean, this type of project is going to take a village. Yeah, it's taken a lot of people for the co-working uh, space. Uh, it's going to take everybody in the community uh, for the, the nonprofit, and um, you know. But that's what we want to see. Is is that what, that's really what's going to make Charlotte unique, and that you know everybody appears to be swimming uh, in the same direction for the common good. Mm -hmm. 
for the good of the city, for the good of the state. Talk some about the team you have in place now and what their specialties are and how they're going to help. Okay. With for, um, for the co-working space? Yeah. We'll start with the co-working space. Um, so, again, my background is more... Uh, I work a lot in the startup community. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I run about a lot of programming events and activities. I do a lot of consulting, mentoring. Um, but again, my relationships are, I, you know, I've been very hands-on practicing medicine over the years, and I, I do a lot of stuff uh, with the various societies and organizations, and also just have a lot of relationships with the independent physician community. Um, my... Uh, the, the first partner I brought onto this project was about a year and a half ago, and that was Scott Pope. Okay. Scott Pope is a corporate pharmacist by trade, um, did a lot of consulting like with Premier and so forth over the years, and then also got up into the startup community like me, except he bridged the uh, startup companies with hospitals you know, because he kind of knew their needs and he had connections there. Um, so he made a really good... Part, initial partner for me because he was we were very complementary in both our contacts and our knowledge base and our skill sets mm -hmm. and we both had that passion for helping startups for being um, wanting to help improve Charlotte and the overall ecosystem see more companies ideas you know come out of here um, and of course attract you know more people to the city um, just I, I've um, we had a few uh, mentors mm -hmm. who have now come on as partners as well. Okay. And um, that includes um, Dan Roselli and Nat Clarkson. So Dan, you know, runs Packard Place. He was the founder of it. And so he had experience managing a co-working space, which Scott and I had no idea what to do with. So, uh, so he's come on the team, and him and Nat also run the you know fintech accelerator they also do a health tech accelerator which in the last year and um, so they've done a lot of things in fintech in the co-working space that we're basically trying to duplicate in healthcare mm -hmm. so now they've come on the team and um, la lastly we, we brought on um, a gentleman who is really experienced in medical device in the medical device space. So again, very complimentary since our background was more technology. Um, and then, you know, every, everybody else who's a, a co-founder in the company is just an investor. Yeah. And almost all of our investors are healthcare people, medical people. We wanted a diverse range of um, experts in different fields. We want people with different affiliations just to give us a little more outreach. Cool. So is there anything you're looking for as far as partners in the future as you grow? Anything specific? It's a good question. I mean, we do actually have some non-dispersed funds, and most of our equity has gone to uh, for sweat because mm -hmm. this was more about expertise and contacts and making sure we had enough sales to stand this up. You know, we didn't really need a lot of funding for this project. Um and we probably will use it um, for another strategic partner if we find the right one. Um, but we're kind of waiting to see if we need more funding as well so right. that we can go ahead and raise that. But obviously we want to wait till later down the road, a little more proof of concept. We can um, 
you know, raise a little bit more with the same amount of equity. Oh, cool. uh, we do plan to expand. Uh, the building that we're getting is 20,000 square feet. And we've almost pre-sold the entire thing. Awesome. Almost. Uh, we have a second building right next to it that's available. And so we do plan on growing into that. So we'll do, you know, some more fundraising maybe in another year or two. And quite frankly, with the medical school coming, the way Charlotte's growing, once we establish a brand and improve a concept, I think we'll need something triple the size. Wow. So um, for, I consider this a four to five year pilot. And by the end of that, I think we'll probably want something either, either we'll need to add another building or we'll have to build something new or, or whatnot. But, you know, who knows? Sounds great. Sounds great. All right, Eric, let's move on to what I call our shotgun round. And <laughs> this is just a few questions we asked. It's kind of just for fun. And uh, I ask uh, all my interviewees. <laughs> Um, if you could turn back time and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you tell him? Oh, boy. Um, you know, um, I probably would have told myself, just enjoy the ride, yeah. you know? Um, I loved what I was doing, um, what I was learning throughout school. I loved what I was doing when I was practicing medicine. There probably was a few years when, um, I was stressing myself out a little too much. Right. Um, and I've just learned, um, to enjoy the highs and, ign and ignore the lows, right? Because um, it, it's going to be a roller coaster ride when you're in the space. And um, you do it because it's fun, um, or at least it should be. If it's not fun, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. What's the most important thing you've learned in life so far? Um, you know, always make time for your family and the ones you love. Okay. Always. Now, what's your best tip for making the world a better place? in a minute here. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, you know, start with arm's reach. You know, start with yourself and the ones around you and so forth. You know, everybody wants to talk about what's going on in like overseas in another country, but I mean, we have those same problems here. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes I feel like we just overlook that. Okay. Um, what's the best compliment you've ever received? keep hitting you with these zingers, don't right. I? Right, <laughs> I um, I'm just going to stick to something recent. Uh, several members of, um, fractional members of my team from different companies have all talked about my work ethic. Cool. And so when it comes from several different people of different perspectives, it always makes me feel good about it because... Maybe it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, work ethic is an important thing. Okay, if you could have dinner with any three people, dead or alive, who would they be and what would you talk about? Well, number one would be my grandmother. Okay. Because um, she passed away early and um, we had a very good relationship. And um, I would just like her to see you know, me now, basically. Yeah. And know what's going on. Brag a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Three people. I don't know. You got me there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we'll just stick with the grandmother then. Okay, where can our listeners connect with you? How can they get up with you if you want to get um, more information or maybe someone wants to use your services? Yeah. Um, again, uh, just like the businesses ebb and flow and the highs and lows, so does my time. Mm -hmm. It's It used to be every time there was a, a, a lull, I would pick up a new project, and I learned not to do that anymore and focus on my 
my you like to keep busy, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but you know, I do get out. Best way is is find me at an event and catch me in person, and I will. I love to you know exchange dialogue, love to talk, listen, especially if it's you know an interesting idea or concept. Mm-hmm. I don't spend a lot of time reading fiction or just you know small talk. That's another thing that people. My partner's going to say about me is I always yeah. like go right to the point. Um, you know, I'm pretty, I'm reasonably active on social media. I, I try to be responsive. I'm a little bit of a dinosaur in that I don't pick up some of the newer things as readily as I should. You know, I don't Snapchat or um, anything like that. But if you find me on LinkedIn and you send a message, I'll almost always respond within okay. a few days. Okay. And um, how do they find you on LinkedIn? Again, you can search my profile, Eric Kirsch. Okay. Most likely, if you're in healthcare, we're only one or two de- degrees of separation away, yeah. or if you live in Charlotte. Okay, awesome. Sounds good. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Eric, and I appreciate it. It was great talking to you and learning about your business. Sure, and, and if anyone's interested in learning a little more about MitoStation, mm-hmm. um, again, we're accepting healthcare-related companies or service providers that would work in the healthcare space, either with the me- medical community or with uh, other healthcare startups. And uh, that's at mitostation.com, M-I-T-O station.com. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you. All right. And thank you to Packard Place for letting us use their podcast room today. All right. That was awesome. Nice plug. Appreciate it. I would like to thank you for listening to the Charlotte Business Podcast and hope that this and all of our episodes bring you value and insight into our local business community. And did you know Charlotte Business Podcast is Charlotte's fastest growing podcast? Thank you for that. This podcast is produced by Subtomic Productions. Subtomic Productions can help you create content for all your social media and your website. If you want to create awesome video, stunning product photography, or you would like to start a podcast that will allow your community to get to know you better, Subtomic Productions can help you. They are the champion of local small businesses and know that without customers and clients, your business will not grow. Contact them today and find out how they can help your business grow and make you more money. Just email them at info at septomicproductions.com. That's info at septomicproductions, that's S-E-B-T-O-M-A-C productions.com. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, and if you would, please like and share this podcast and give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. The better ranking we get, the more listeners we will get, and the more we will grow. Join us next week, and please have a great day and stay safe.